Hello and welcome to another episode of Mastermind.fm. In this episode, we've got Nikita Goncars from Land Secured, and we're going to be discussing this new lending platform that's on the market now. As you know, there are many lending platforms and crowdfunding, so the market is a bit saturated. So when we interview such platforms, we try to find what niche they're trying to corner. And in this case, we found out that it's agricultural loans. Now, I wasn't really aware of the world of agriculture and what problems they face, but I thought the solution that is being provided by Land Secured is really interesting. And it's good to know about this financing issue within agriculture in Eastern Europe, especially. So this is uh, was a good podcast. I really learned a lot and I really enjoyed talking to Nikita, who had a lot of good answers to everything we asked him. We did dig deep in, in the platform and yeah, hope you enjoy it. And as always, if you like the podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us a lot to know if we're giving good content for you. If you want us to do anything different, please let us know. So enjoy the show. Hi, Nikita. Welcome to the show. Welcome to mastermind.fm. As usual, I have my dad with us today, Joseph Galea, and we'll be talking about Lent Secured. So Nikita, please tell us who you are and tell us all about this platform. Hello, John. Hello, Joe. Actually, I recently came out with a definition of uh, land secured, which is uh, very understandable for a new investor. So we position ourselves uh, comparing with a restaurant that uh, our dishes are small, but but they are of exceptional quality. So we do not publish a lot of loans, but uh, they are we're doing a lot of due diligence and uh, keeping them safe uh, with a low LTV and a real estate collateral. To expand a little bit more on the experience of the team, the platform itself is, uh, you might say, quite young, but it is found by me and my partner, Edgars, and we started working in the lending industry 10 years ago. We started actually as a brokers. So we didn't have like our own capital or, or, or some rich parents, so we started from the zero, and uh, we're doing this brokerage in Latvia. Uh, for several years, uh, we got the experience, we understood the market and we saw the opportunity. So we attracted our first private investors. The capital price was uh, crazy. It was about 20 APR, but uh, you take it or leave it. Yes. And we needed to start with such high capital price. And we managed to be profitable and to expand and to actually, we earned more money to the investor than, than for ourselves in the start, but it's, it, it is how it is. Later on, we got our first bank as a partner, Latvian small bank. We opened the credit line. I think the largest amount was 2.5 million, which, which is a lot in Latvia because our country is only 2 million people. So, yes, and we continue to attract new high net worth individuals. We continue to grow the portfolio. And uh, in non-bank lending, the main idea is to lend the money, not more than you can uh, recover from selling of the collateral. So, of course, you're uh, evaluating the bank statements, uh, the business plans, but you never lend more than you are sure that you can get back because... Uh, in lending, you are responsible for the losses of investor. It is different in crowdfunding. That's why sometimes they publish riskier projects because they are not taking the risks. The risks are taken by the investors. So it is like moved from the lender to the investor. 
And that's why they're getting uh, the higher returns, higher than in bank deposits, and it's kind of fair. So you're taking the risk and you're getting the bigger income. But uh, maybe this is because of own experience, but we build our platform with the philosophy of a lender, not of a platform. That's why we're still issuing the safe segments. And we thought it's a great idea that, uh, okay, we have some uh, investors in Latvia, but there is an uprising in crowdfunding, and we should use this opportunity to diversify funding sources and also try to expand to other countries. Because it is hard with local banks, they're not so fast, uh, they're not flexible. If I will go to our bank and say, let's let's uh, start lending in, in Lithuania, they would say, okay, we'll think about it, and maybe in a year we, we, we will come to some, some agreement. Uh, but uh, things are changing much more rapidly. So this is the main reason why we started to build Land Secured. And actually, we uh, created the software in 2017, uh, but there is no regulation in Latvia, but we are a licensed lender. And uh, the price of a license is a quarter of a million euros now. And we were too afraid to start unregulated uh, uh, working in, in, the, in the lending uh, because we were afraid to lose our own license. And uh, we kept on waiting for the regulation. We used our platform just as uh, in-house software for our large investors to manage their portfolio. And uh, we kept on waiting. Later on, the, in Latvia, there was uh, even uh, a draft of, uh, of a law issued. But it remained still a draft and it never, it never took force. And, uh, and so we needed to, to wait for, for the European regulation adopted. The local regulator kept like saying, you need to wait, you need to wait, you need to wait. Uh, but at the same time, everyone was working like in the gray area and, and keep growing their, their investors' base. That was, of course, a pity for us. But by continuing communicating with the regulator, he came out with the list of points we need to fulfill to start working even before regulations adopted. And uh, the main point was uh, the fund segregation, which we're highlighting all the time that the investors' funds should be held separately from the investors' assets. They should be held in the licensed, regulated financial institution. It could be a bank, it could be a payment institution, but it should have a license in Europe. And uh, this is the only safe way to, to hold the money. Because other platforms, I don't know how they're doing it, because uh, actually there's only 100,000 euros guarantee on any account in Europe. So if there is a, a larger amount held and the bank goes bankrupt, I don't know actually what could happen. So yeah, we fulfilled the, the obligations from the local regulator. So yes, we are not licensed yet, uh, but they... And since the European Europeans adopted, now we are preparing the documents for this uh, ECSP regulation. It's a crowd service provider in Europe. And uh, we're expecting in November that the local regulator will start issuing this kind of license. So this is our plans, our brief history and, and our message. <laughs> Very interesting. Uh, you mentioned something interesting for me because mm-hmm. let's face it, 2020 was all about investors losing re- losing trust and many platforms, yes. you know, Groupier, Investio, and many others. So you mentioned something about crowdfunding and lending and the distinction you make as well. Mm-hmm. So I'd, I'd like you to address maybe these two points because obviously the first question an investor will ask nowadays is, is this another 
Groupier, Investio, whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's start with that. How do you distinguish? How would you respond to that question? You mean how would I distinguish the like fraud platform from the good one? Yeah. What's what are the main criteria? Actually, I like this uh, comparison with the restaurants uh, because, uh, to my mind, uh, new investors in crowdfunding are similar to the tourists, like uh, going uh, traveling to another country, yeah. thinking, where should I go to eat? To this rest- restaurant or to this one or to this one? Okay, you're reading the reviews in, I don't know, TripAdvisor, and you're thinking, oh, maybe they're fake reviews. Okay, it, it happens. Some some companies are buying it. Okay, I don't know any of these companies. How should I choose? So the equivalent of TripAdvisor in our space would be Trustpilot. And I've written about Trustpilot as well. That's why yes, I'm mentioning it. Maybe Trustpilot, but I think all the bloggers all as, the well, bloggers as uh, well. Because now they're getting much more trustworthy. Because in the beginning, I think nobody actually thought that they are doing something bad and that people would lose money. It was just something new for them as well. And they didn't understood their own like responsibility. But they did a lot of work now. And uh, we see it because we're a new platform and we're trying to get in touch with the platforms. And they need like a lot of feedback, a lot of persuasion, what we're doing, how we're doing, what are the security mechanisms. So actually, it's, it's quite hard, but we're, I think, doing a great job. So like going through, bringing the attention to our platform. Uh, but in the result of this, uh, like I would say it, it's a food poisoning, just as the fraud cases, it's, it's compared to the food poisoning, which you get in the one of the restaurants. What you're doing next, you're going only to the places you know. So you're going, I don't know, to McDonald's. You know, in every country you can go to McDonald's and it will be like safe for you. So I think the bigger platforms would win from this situation. It's not a question anymore of how the platform is built itself. It's a question of trust. So if you're like on long enough on the market, you're trustworthy and you're investable. So this is a criteria which works now on the market. I don't think actually anyone is doing their own due diligence because, uh, okay, we're doing on our platforms uh, fund segregation. We're doing like loan, low LTV loans, real estate, full transparency and uh, allegations. But comparing again with the restaurants, a lot of things are written on the window. Yeah, we're doing this, this, this. Does it give you persuasion that you are doing it? Actually, no. The only like uh, credibility is is your like history and amount of investors and how are you managing the prices. So yeah, it's actually quite hard for a new platform to persuade others, but the bigger ones are winning from this. So yes, what are we doing to like ensure trust? Uh, we are communicating with bloggers. We are going through to receive this uh, new license. I think it will give us uh, a lot of credibility and also keeping the project safe and transferable. So this is the only things we actually can do and we're doing them. So, yes. Yeah, that's, that's, that helps. And for the new investors who are new to these investments, you distinguish between crowdfunding and lending. Could you expand on that and why why the two are different from a risk perspective as well? As I already said, if you are a lender, you are uh, signing like with your own hands the loan agreements or credit line agreements with the bank. You are also giving personal guarantees, and you didn't have an option to not uh, like uh, give the money back. You would lose all your profits. You would cut cut costs. 
you will do the best of debt collecting, but you need to, to give the money back. On the platforms them, themselves, it's a little bit of problem. I don't think that someone is using this intentionally, but uh, this like uh, risk is put more on the investor. So, so this is a difference. But it's the same actually in all of the investments. If you're buying stocks or Bitcoin, I don't know, doesn't matter. You're taking a risk. It's just a difference from our own perspective. We are using our experience in lending and making a copy-paste like uh, to, to the platform. I don't think actually it might be a, a good strategy for a platform because uh, you actually don't have a lot of projects. You cannot just... Uh, because uh, it's hard to find projects with such a low risks. What are doing uh, some of the, I don't know, real estate platforms? They're just taking the loans which banks did not want to fund. Yeah, so... Why banks don't want to fund them? Because there is a bit bigger risk involved there. As a project might be good, um, but it's still risky. So if you're ready to take the risks, it's so you should take it. I, I don't know <laughs> how to explain it yeah. differently. So I, I guess the, the difference is between a platform which just connects any borrower who comes along, yeah. posts their project, and then lets the investors take on the risk of analyzing the project with very little information mm. so there the relationship is between the borrower and the thousand or ten thousand investors mm. who decided to put money in the project but there's no skin in the game or expertise by the platform one more thing to consider uh, like comparing lender and the platform and how to distinguish a good platform reliable one you should take a look at the founding team at the team behind how experienced it is are, are the people with i don't know financial assets which they could lose for example in our case if we, something goes wrong we could uh, lose our financial assets which we're building like for the last 10 years and uh, of course a lot of reputation and we are not building this platform you know to just for for profit or something like this it's actually like uh, european people like to say i'm talking with a lot of bloggers recently and there is a trend in the financial independence so so actually yes we can stand that like the founders of our company are financially independent so this crowdfunding project for us is an ambitious project to expand cross-border we don't actually have to do it we just could sit here in latvia we are growing our portfolio by uh, 2.5 million yearly on a yearly basis it's not much, but it's it's nice. It's it's good. It's uh, it's a good business, and there's no need to to reinvest the profits to to spend money on IT, which we're doing now. Spend money on marketing, and and actually some of the projects we could fund in the bank, like uh, with eight, eight APR, not twelve APR. Yes, so it's actually a bonus which we are giving now to, to our first like uh, investors. And the question is uh, if someone is evaluating this uh, this. <laughs> this project so. so yeah okay i'm joe i'm just <laughs> father <laughs> and i'm interested in investing in these platforms i am based in malta another small uh, eu member state um, but smaller than than latvia although we beat you in football but that's another matter <laughs> Um, looking at the Baltic states, I noticed that um, these kind of platforms are sort of mushrooming as, as time is passing. When comparing to the size of the countries, talking about Estonia, Latvia and Lithuania here, 
it's amazing. Um, to what do you attribute the, this growth? Is, is it the general environment of, of these countries? The language, the IT um, uh, <clears throat> availability, people who are trained, financial knowledge. To be honest with you, uh, knowing that you are part of the Soviet Union, <laughs> it struck me um, that that these three countries, relatively small, can come up with this initiative in general. I believe that you need to look one step before uh, the platforms. The Baltic states was uh, one of the like uh, burning countries of uh, payday loans. So a lot of big payday loan companies like For Finance and uh, Ferratums and so on were based in, in Latvia after the crisis, uh, like in 2009 and 10. So there was uh, like a bad economy. A lot of people lost their work and, and they were looking for any kind of source of a loan. So they were like also not very financially educated. And the guys who, like from Latvia came out with the idea, let's issue the loans uh, like uh, digitally. Let's let's do it uh, by the internet. So you could actually in the in the beginning you could just sit at, at 2 a.m. in the night like drunk and and take out a loan. So it was like this in the start. There was no APR cap, so so you could just issue 100 euros and uh, later you could just uh, go to that debt collection with uh, well, 1,000, like 10 times more. So. I think the regulation was not so strong enough. People were not like used to this kind of financial uh, I know, freedom. I don't know, so they were not protected, and uh, they get they got their first profit capital in in the Baltics, and then they thought, why not expand into the Europe? So the platforms actually were developed as a funding source for these payday loans, the the biggest ones. So it's actually not. It's important to differentiate the crowdfunding platform from peer-to-peer. Peer-to-peer is just like an investment portal where you can invest in loans. Actually, the biggest payday, uh, the biggest peer-to-peer platforms are now getting the investment brokerage license. They're not getting the crowdfunding license. We are doing this. We are getting the crowdfunding license because it's a different kind of uh, structure. So yes, the, the uprise in peer-to-peer was was because of the paid loans in Latvia. What are the countries doing in terms of uh, regulation? Can I just go one step back? Because that's interesting. It's the first time I've heard about this history. Because usually, what people have told me is that the Baltic countries have a strong IT workforce and regulation and stuff like that this is true payday lending made a lot of new work working place in it because it's all but nobody had told me like the the original story so i'm interested in knowing like why did those companies originally start before the crisis in the baltic states because say in central europe at least i'm i don't think they're that common was it part of the soviet culture or i don't know I don't think it's it's because of Soviet culture. In Latvia, we have like these things highlighted in the news. If you're reading local news newsletter, you know that uh, the beginning of uh, payday loan lending business uh, was as uh, several guys, the students came up with this idea. They found uh, rich investors which which funded this uh, the start, and then they. Uh, 
really, really rapidly expanded and they sold their business and started their own companies. So it, they started to separate into some different companies. They started looking for additional capital because it was not easy for a lender to obtain capital from a bank or from uh, uh, bonds. So for example, it's much easier to, to get them in the peer-to-peer. So this is the start of the crowdfunding. Later on, the fraud uh, platforms are not connected with the, with the payday lending. It's just, I don't know, the people saw the force of the industry, they saw the cash flow, and they just uh, used it to, for their own good. Mm, but, but payday lending is not, not connected to the fraud, of course, itself. Therefore, coming back to the regulation, mm-hmm. in my opinion, if the authorities of these three countries had to introduce regulation on such platforms, I think it would give you a badge no, of quality. What do you think about this? But there's the European one now being introduced, which is even better, in my opinion. Yes, in October, there was adopted rules uh, from the European Union. Now you can uh, receive the European crowdfunding service provider license. And uh, it is stated that now there is a one-year transferring period by which every platform should receive this uh, license. And also it gives you permission to work in uh, all of the European countries. So by receiving the license from your local regulator, you can work all in all over Europe. But uh, getting back to the question of licensing, of course, if it would be introduced before, it would help a lot, of course. But it was not done in Latvia and Estonia. I think there is licensing in Lithuania from the Lithuanian bank. And uh, I don't know any case of the fraud in Lithuania. So I think you're right. (laughs) Yeah, it would give, you know, the whole thing a more serious background, uh, especially for investors coming from other countries. Mm. Therefore, when you, you're looking at uh, other countries, how do you plan to expand your company to attract the other Europeans? As far as I know, up to now, your loans have been to uh, local companies, maybe because you know them, therefore it's easier to carry out the due mm-hmm. diligence. Do you plan to expand to other countries in terms of having borrowers from other countries in Europe? So yes, this is uh, need to be presented with another topic, which I would uh, tell a little bit today, just to start highlighting it, um, because we are we will be launching a new investment product in the on the first of March this year. And it would be a seasonal loans to agriculture, to the farmers. And uh, why we're looking in this sphere? Because uh, we want to introduce something different to the peer-to-peer and crowdfunding lending. We would like to introduce a new asset class for investors to have something to diversify. Because now you can only invest in real estate, uh, just construction works, and uh, payday lending. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so so there's actually no no other options to diversify by the asset class. And uh, there was actually a research from European Investment Bank held, and the financial gap in the agriculture in European countries is starting with 7 billion up to 18 billion euros. So this is uh, the amount of capital which is not funded enough for the farmers today. And we're not talking just for any farmers. It's only about financially viable farmers 
which has like an increase in the turnover or, and they're also profitable. So we're only taking about the financially strong like farmers. So there's a huge financial gap and uh, we are taking uh, our company to a mission. And what's the reason for that? There are several reasons. Uh, our team was uh, researching the statistics. Uh, there's a lot of data available uh, on the farmers in Europe. So we uh, highlighted several reasons. The first one might be that the 80% of the farms are uh, family farmers. So it's small farms. And also the land plots are, are pretty small. So it's uh, around 20 hectares. It's not, it's not much. So these kind of farmers are not very interesting for banks because they're small, first of all. Secondly, a lot of them don't have like full annual reporting. They have like simplified uh, bookkeeping. That's the reason why they uh, cannot go to the bank. They Sometimes they are not so... Uh, it's hard for them to communicate with the banks. It's hard to going through the bureaucracy. But for example, at the beginning of the season, they need to, uh, to repair machinery. They need to buy seeds. They need to buy fertilizer. And the financial cycle of the farmer is you invest money in the start of the season, you wait till everything grows, and you get the money like only in the end. So you need to survive this uh, like most of the year from your own funds. So they're in need of working capital, and they're also in need in uh, loans for modernizing the machinery. Yes. Uh, the second big reason was that there it differs from country to country. For example, it was said that in Spain the situation is kind of okay, but there are nine countries which are highlighted that they're like uh, feeling the, the most of these problems. And the nine, I don't uh, maybe recall from the, from my mind all of them, but all three Baltic countries, Latvia, Lithuania, Estonia were in the list. Bulgaria was in the list. Romania was in the list. Greece was on the list. So this, these are the countries where farmers do not have the access for, for the funding from the banks. So, yes. This is very interesting, Nikita, this uh, sort of niche that you are targeting. And maybe we can come back to it later on during uh, the podcast, uh, because it's very interesting. In terms of depth of, of the organization, I know that you are a young organization set up in 2019, mm -hmm. right? From what I've seen on the website, uh, you seem to be quite well geared up um, when you compare to the loan portfolio that you have. Mm -hmm. It seems that you are investing um, quite substantially, believing that uh, you will grow exponentially. What are your comments on this? As I said previously, this is not like our main business, which we're looking to profit from. So we're, now we're investing in the future. You're right. It's I don't think uh, actually any startup platform without uh, like uh, financial backing would survive these days. It's, it's actually impossible because in our case, we are paying uh, salaries to IT, to marketing, to salespeople from like our main portfolio, which is 10 million euros. And it gives us uh, like sustainable income flow on a monthly basis. And we are also not looking to receive the profits from the first year. And actually, we're starting to talk that we're not looking to profit from the platform on the second year. We, we want to invest. Actually, now we're trying to attract additional funds from VC capital, from the local investors. If we will not succeed, we still have our own funds, but we, would, we could go, grow, grow faster in this, in this, uh, in this way. Did I answer okay. your question? Yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of uh, returns and risk, 
from what I've seen, um, you are quite prudent. Uh, your average returns are about between 10 and 12 percent. And the loan to value ratio, you try to contain it to an average of 37 percent. I saw some cases where it is higher, other cases where it is lower. Mm -hmm. Do you think that going forward, you will retain this prudent approach? As you said earlier, you said that you uh, aim at protecting the investors when when putting the money for these loans. Obviously, you are not responsible if something goes wrong, but you feel, it seems that you feel responsible, which is a good thing, <laughs> although, although yes, not legally sir. responsible. We're also putting uh, 5% of our own capital in every project. So yes, we will try to remain, like uh, our projects will remain safe. So even in the new product with agricultural loans, we're also looking at the maximum LTV uh, 60. So if a maximum is 60, the average would be around 40. So it's, it's by our experience. Because as you said, some loans would be 60 and some loans would be 20. So we will still try to to continue this philosophy that we will not lend more than we can recover. This is uh, the most important thing to, to us. And when you um, say, say 37% loan to value, at what point do you measure that? Because as the project starts, does the loan proceeds go in? Do, do they go in immediately or is it end finance? Therefore, the investor puts in his money first or last. How does it work out or paripasu? I don't think is if I understood the question correctly. So we are asking uh, basically if investor is putting the money first or the last. So when we're reaching a new project uh, where Oh, in the start, we're putting our own 5%. The, we're, so we're the first who is doing this. The next step, we're like uh, giving the opportunity to invest to our retail investors, which are registered on the platform. And also in the end, if there is not enough investments currently, we have an anchor investor, which is an investor from our like uh, uh, big guys with, with high net worth. So he's putting the amount which is which is uh, uh, missing. Yes. So in our case, a sort of underwriter. Yeah. So he gives gives this uh, like uh, stability and the full bulletproof that the loan will be funded because it will be crucially to fund it because if we waste uh, borrowers' time like for two weeks and then we say sorry no it was unsuccessful we would ruin our, our reputation. Also, investors would be very unhappy to lose the time because no one wants uh, a cash drag. For two weeks. And do they sell their stake as time goes by? Yes, later on we, we have started to publish the, the secondary anchor. market, no? Yes, because uh, it's actually a good opportunity for investors. You can buy the shares from anchor investor and you start getting the interest from the first day. don't need to wait for the publishing or the, for the funding period. Therefore, my question about the 37% loan to value. Okay. Therefore, the value is much higher than the loan. Right? Yes. Correct. 37%. Therefore, the other part of the value, which is not covered by the loan, has to be put in by the uh, borrowers. No? No, the 37 LTV is... is a no, no, no. Loan. The 37% is the part belonging to the lenders. Yes. The other, 
the other um, 63 percent is the amount put in by the project ah so yeah understood your question no the borrower is uh, the owner of the asset so he owns the 100 percent when he comes yeah. to us he he just uh, borrows the money with the asset package so so okay therefore he would own the asset Usually they own the asset. Sometimes they buy, but it's it's not so popular because the rates are too high for them for this reason. Therefore, once the uh, amount of the loan is raised, at that point, it is 37% of the value of the project. Because yes. as time passes and the project is developed, then it can become even lower than 37% because um, the yes, value sure. of the project goes up, no? Yes, there is actually two things. Uh, the value goes up and the principal goes down because most of the projects have the principal repayment on the monthly basis. So it's actually, okay. yes. That's quite good. Um, Nikita, going forward now, hopefully uh, late in 2021, early in 2022, hopefully COVID will be behind us. Do you think that the perception of risk in lending would go down and if it goes down would the returns go down it's actually a good question so uh, one thing we are hoping for is that this new licensing process will bring more stability to the peer-to-peer uh, -peer lending and by this way the interest would go down because there is more transparency and more like uh, safety for the investors so actually the interest rates of 12 percent are pretty high it's hard to find a good borrower a paying borrower with like 12 to 12 percent and you need to add some profits for you to cover the expenses as well so it would actually benefit the crowdfunding industry if the rates would go lower because it would bring the better projects, the higher quality projects to the sphere. Will the concept of risk change? Will the investors like be more careful or more risky? It's hard for me to, to evaluate. I think uh, until the COVID times did not pass, the risk, you know, like feeling of the risk will, will stay the same, the same and the investor will be more, more careful. They will continue to be more careful and choose the investments wisely. Okay. In terms of due diligence, um, uh, you state that, that you carry out a strict uh, due diligence. Um, in what sense? Therefore, do you employ value agents? That is, you know, some big firms that, that value properties or mm. projects. On the other hand, the value of the loans um, of the projects that you have embarked on so far, I wouldn't say that the amounts are high. Possibly not justifying the expense of uh, employing, uh, you know, these uh, very famous valuing companies. Mm -hmm. How do you carry out this due diligence exercise and uh, what's the percentage of failure on the part of the borrowers or prospective borrowers? So from the marketing perspective, we are approving about 5% of our incoming leads. Of course, later on, we are getting the certified evaluation from real estate agencies. We are working only with top three agencies in Latvia, which are also accepted by the biggest banks in Latvia. So they're highly like respected 
agencies, uh, actually all of the evaluations are available on the project page. They're signed with e-sign from the evaluator and every evaluator has their own certificate of lending professionality. Going forward with loan evaluation, so we're just uh, uh, copy-pasting our experience from the lending uh, uh, business. So we're checking the income, we're checking the income statements, we're checking the registers. Uh, last year in Latvia, for example, there's a common register introduced, so you can actually see clearly and transparently all of the debts uh, and, and the incomes of the person and of the company. And uh, actually, it's the company register from last year became totally free. So knowing the language, uh, any person could just uh, get the data, the, all the latest annual reports, all the tax uh, uh, how's it called, debts also are seen, how the tax, taxes are paid. So... We're looking at the real estate, at the income profile, and at the debt profile. And uh, but still, our main rule remains the same: do not lend more than you can uh, collect from the debt collection. I think it's uh, quite a sensible approach. And I was going to ask you: I know that your platform is still young, but up to now, amongst the, the problems caused by COVID, etc., did you have any borrowers who defaulted or? were late in paying the interest? Mm, yes, regarding the platform loans, they are actually, might be too young to see the uh, the trend if the COVID impacts them. Uh, on the platform, all the loans are current without any delays. But I can share our experience on our main business portfolio. portfolio. The, there was a trend on the first wave that people were coming to us asking for the period of not paying the, the interest like for, for three or six months. And uh, because we have this low LTV, we were able to to issue this kind of, of uh, help to our clients. But this was only during the first wave in March. Uh, later on... Sort uh, of moratorium, no? Yeah, yeah, moratorium. Yeah, I, I don't know the term for it in English, unfortunately. Um, but later on in the summers, it uh, it became more stable, and uh, we don't uh, have any issues currently with this. Okay, and uh, you flaunt a collection license. Yes. How does it help you uh, in terms of uh, being punctual in collecting the funds for uh, your clients? Uh, that collection license is needed in Latvia to collect the loans from the consumers. Uh, Land Secured platform does not issue loans to consumers, but still we are showing to our investors that we have this experience of working uh, in the right way, in the regulated way. So it, it is uh, uh, in consumer lending, we are supervised from the local regulators. So and we're using the same practices in the business uh, debt collection. So this is just to show people that we are not like uh, unexperienced and we know and we we had recovered a lot of funds for our previous investors. That you mean business, basically. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Collecting yes. Which is Some people think that the business is only to issue loans. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In terms of security, another important aspect of your business. I give you money, I invest through you, projects, and uh, there is a pledge on the property. Yes. And uh, I imagine it would be a first ranking or only 
first and only ranking pledge. Uh, would there be any other pledges, second ranking, third ranking? We have only first rank mortgage. Um, we don't have experience with second rank mortgage currently. That can be and a little bit messy, yeah? It could, yes. It's uh, a different risk uh, category. And uh, the collateral itself is held by the collateral agent, the separate LLC, which, which holds the rights in the name of the investors. So, Is it a legal firm? It's a legal firm, yes. It's a separate in- institution, uh, which, which uh, like, uh, is only, their only, like, uh, only work is to hold collateral for the investors. How does it work in the Baltic states if you need to enforce one? Is it easy? Is it complicated? Because in some countries, okay, you have a first ranking pledge, but then when it comes to enforcing it, it's not very easy. Mm. I don't like the word itself, easy. Nothing is easy. If you have enough experience, it's easy. Yes. Uh, but there is a, uh, a well, What serious... is your approach? Because obviously you need to be also... Uh, mm-hmm. ethical with, with the borrowers as well. I mean, not jumping on them for the least infraction. Of course, you're firstly, you're contacting them and trying to resolve it in a, in a normal way to try to maybe give them a first time moratorium. But then if they're not contacting you, you have a legal steps, which our lawyer knows better than me, but they're like, you're sending the first notice, you're sending the second notice, then you're going to court. And uh, in our case, uh, the court uh, is, uh, oh, it's, it's a hard one. I don't know if I could translate it. It does not need the, the full like courting uh, decision. It's kind of automatic. So we just need to send the documents and the decision is like the next day. So, and afterwards we are going to the uh, auction. Uh, auction is doing one more time the evaluation okay. of the assets and it's published on the government. Uh, Therefore, there's no possibility of delaying tactics. There are possibilities of delaying tactics, but uh, it's quite not often met. Uh, and still, it could be in theory prolonged till up to one year. But uh, regarding the low LTV, we have the period uh, and the value which we can uh, debt collect uh, also the recurring interest by this time, which is accumulated. So this allows us to, to not only regain the principal and the unpaid interest, but also this uh, debt time interest. So, But the average time of debt collection is up to six months. It's not short, but it's not very long as well. well quite reasonable, I would say. With regards to the secondary market, therefore, if I put in money, and after six months, I need it because of some emergency. Therefore, you provide the secondary market, if I understand well. Therefore, if I want to dispose after putting in some, say, 5,000 euros, and I would mm. need them back before the maturity of the loan. Mm. Therefore, there is that possibility. How does it work? And am I guaranteed that Anchor Investments or somebody else would buy my loan portfolio? So yes, you can publish your like portfolio on a secondary market. There are no fees for that, not for the seller, not, nor for the buyer. We are not issuing guarantees that someone would buy your uh, part. I actually don't like the word guarantee at all in the crowd lending sector. There are uh, no guarantees possible and don't believe if you see a word guarantee. No, no, uh, I'm not referring to the repayment guarantee. Obviously, yeah, yeah. you cannot give it. But, but, no, but what, what I'm the, saying is that if, 
Yeah, if I need the money urgently, is yeah. there any guarantee that somebody else can step in to take my portfolio? Yeah, yeah I understood. This was more of a statement for the maybe for the listeners or for new investors. Just don't believe the word guarantee. This is was to, to highlight. The, the more we highlight it in the podcast and interviews, the better oh, understandable. It was not uh, just meant to you. I understood the question. You think uh, will our anchor investor buy it? Uh, like, uh, is it obligatory? No, we we can discuss it and we could optionally do it. Uh, but uh, we don't have unlimited funds. In this case, we would not need the platform. But in uh, like small amounts, it is possible. And you actually can reach out to us, and and uh, we can discuss it. But but no, I think no one can guarantee it. So it's the same with the with the how other call the programs, access invest in access, access the other access. Yeah, it's also dependent on the market and the investors' activity. So okay, therefore, once you have convinced me that uh, it's, <laughs> it's good for me to to invest with you. What kind of minimum amount can I start with? Uh, you can start with 50 euros investment. Uh, 50 euros is the minimum amount to invest in one project currently. Why, why is it so low? I think it's very, very low. <laughs> I think it's uh, <laughs> industry standards uh, now. Just okay. uh, Yeah, that's and... true. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe, you know, you give the opportunity to potential investors to test you, to test your organization initially, see how it goes, and then, you know, step mm. up their investment. It's, it's actually interesting to see how people like uh, testing the platform. So they're sending 50 euros and uh, going to the KYC and then they're like, okay, now I will withdraw my 50 euros without investing. So he waits <laughs> for withdraw to come, come back. <laughs> And then he's like, okay, now I invest 200 euros. <laughs> so, so, so it goes step by step. It yeah, is, yeah. It's, it's, it's very funny, but it's, it's the right approach, I believe. But it's the fear built in over the past years, no? with what happened with other platforms as well. Mm, where the doubt sure, was sure. whether that money was financing the platform rather mm. than its activities. Okay, and what kind of uh, know your client requirements you would have? Uh, is it complicated or it's the normal stuff i mean just it's uh, not complicated but we, since we are like uh, giving our investors additional layer of safety with like segregating the funds and uh, so holding their money um, in ben paribas in lemonway we are forced to ask our investors to upload the ids in the beginning i know that some platforms are doing it like at the end when you try to withdraw the money but uh, i believe if you're a real investor and you're thinking long term it's not a problem for you to upload an id just uh, it's it's an important thing in investment is an important thing which should be considered long term and and id is not a problem yeah Yeah, on one hand, it shows that you are a serious organization. On the other sure. hand, for potential investors, you know, asking too much, then <laughs> it, can, it, can, it can put them off. Okay, um, my one might wonder, from where do you get your income? Do you load the interest uh, rate, you know, if you give me 10%, you charge 11% or 12% the borrower? How, how does it work out? So there are two points uh, where we are earning as a platform. The first one is uh, issuing commission. So when we're issuing a loan, we, we, we take the commission from the borrower, a one-time fee. And the second thing, we are also 
earning the spread between the investors percent and the borrowers percent for example we can uh, charge borrower 15 percent and we can publish a loan for 13 percent so it's not much but it also yeah. gives us motivation to manage the portfolio and, and we're like in the same boat with the investors and uh, one important thing that we didn't mention is the duration of the loans mm-hmm. what is the average duration i understand it's short term which my opinion, make them more attractive. So we know that uh, peer-to-peer and crowdfunding investors are interested in the short terms. So the shorter, the big, the better, as, as as we see it. In real estate, we are not able to provide such short, short, short terms as three months. So I think the lowest on our platform will be 12 months and up to 24. Uh, but we will try our best to publish uh more of a 12 months loans because it's like uh, more interesting and attractive to our investors as we see it but also regarding the new product uh, which is agricultural uh, seasonal lending it would start from six months to nine and sometimes to 12 so it will be a little bit more similar to payday lending and maybe a good alternative for them as well okay uh, we'll come to the loans to farmers. I find this extremely intriguing. <laughs> with regards to uh, transparency with the investors, uh, I went through your website. It's in English, good English, I would say, mm-hmm. straightforward, easy to understand. Um, do you have plans to enhance it, to introduce more languages if you want to reach uh, a bigger audience? Another feature which is important is updating the uh, information, financial information mainly, on the performance of the projects as well. Uh, I've been through your projects as well. Mm-hmm. And you do give this information. It also depends how uh, updated it is. Mm-hmm. Can you please elaborate on that? Yes, sure. So regarding the new languages, we did the translation of our main page to German and to Russian, firstly. It is a little bit more difficult with the projects because they're appearing rapidly and we actually don't have such a large team for this project uh, now. So uh, in total, we are 16 people with uh, the owners, but most of the people are fulfilling the duties of our main, main leading business and they're like, sharing the time, fulfilling these duties. But uh, growing, we would onboard new people, which would like uh, provide more and more detailed information for, about the projects. And we will also introduce, uh, surely, more languages. We're also looking into the Spanish, because the Spanish uh, uh, crowdfunding uh, industry looks pretty attractive and very active. A lot of uh, bloggers appearing and chats and so on. So it's not only Germany as it was sometime before. It's it's also also Spain is. John, do you have any further comments before we perhaps elaborate a bit on the um, loans to farmers? No, I mean, I would maybe ask if there's the possibility for corporate entities to sign up as as lenders as well. I assume that's not a problem either. Yes, it's possible for corporate as well. Uh, the diligence is made uh, basically by the Lemonway and BMP Paribas. We are also checking on our side, but we have this option to register a legal person as well. Yes. And do you only take investors from Europe or the European Union? Uh, yes, we're quite conservative uh, with this. So currently only European investors with SEPA accounts. 
Okay. So Therefore, not strictly in the European Union. In Europe. Not, not strictly, but uh, with accounts in European uh, financial institutions. Turning back to this farming thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's intriguing because uh, I never imagined it, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. Because, um, to my knowledge, uh, farming has always been uh, a bit considered to be quite risky uh, and exposed to the natural elements. With climate changes, this risk is increasing, not decreasing, although farmers are taking precautions and building, you know, Mm -hmm. glass houses and all Mm -hmm. this. Yes, I think they had always a problem in getting funds, and Mm -hmm. most of them, many countries relied on governments and subsidies and soft loans and all that. Because Mm -hmm. governments in general try to protect the local agricultural sector. Yes, true. Going into the agricultural sector with with loans, I would imagine that these loans would attract higher interest than the others. Is that is that true? And if it's true, how would the farmers be able to sort of give peace of mind that they will be in a position to repay when you know they are exposed to the weather and whether mm-hmm. there is you know, a glut of their crops or not, you know, it affects their prices, etc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you're thinking, and actually you define the main risks uh, working with the farmers. The first one was uh, the risk of um, natural disasters and uh, such as floods and so on. So one of the risks, uh, like uh, reduction approaches we are taking, we will introduce uh, insurance for this kind of loans, not for the loan itself, but since the product itself would be issued against the grain collateral, so we will ensure the harvest itself. So in case there will be changes in the, how it's called, uh, uh, weather conditions and the uh, harvest would be lower this year, so the insurance will cover this, this, so it will reduce the risk both for the farmer and for the platform. The second thing, economically, our main goal, firstly, is to protect the investor's money. So we would only issue loans with the collateral. So as I told you, uh, the collateral which we are looking at, the firstly, would be grain collateral. So it would work like this. I will try to explain it. It's hard to do it on the audio. It's it's easier schematically. But uh, basically, we will sign a freeway agreement with uh, land secured, uh, with the farmer and the grain buying company. It would be uh, signed from all three sites. And we would issue a loan in the beginning of the season, of the farming season. And uh, the farmer will be doing his job. We will will sign this freeway contract. It's like a forward contract, right? Uh, It's it's actually similar as as a factoring, I would say. So there is a signed contract, which uh, is kind of a guarantee of receiving the money. But in the end of the year, uh, the grain buying company firstly would cover the loan amount to us directly, and they will send the remaining money to the farmer. So in this way, we are protected from other financial unsuccesses of the farmer and also the insurance gives us uh, protection from the natural causes. And the loans would go for the farmers to acquire land or machinery? As I stated previously, the main goal was defined in the research of European Investment Bank that the main goal is working capital and machinery 
So to improve the production costs and, and efficiency, uh, there is also a smaller segment for the uh, buying a land, but this uh, cost of capital would be too high for such purposes, I believe. Uh, maybe if there is an attractive opportunity, you can use this as a bridge loan to buy it and to refinance in the bank later on. Uh, and have the cost. farmers to be environment friendly in the sense of not using pesticides, maybe everything may, may have to be organic. We did our research and in Europe there are high standards for the pesticide usage uh, much more higher than in uh, Asia and other third world countries. This is actually the reason why European uh, farming is uh, uh, less uh, compatible with the Asian farmers and this is the reason why it is subsidized from the European Union. So we're get, getting the better production uh, but uh, it's less competitive so we need to cover it from the subsidies. That's great. Um, maybe more about this on your website. <laughs> yes, we're introducing it on the first marshes. Okay. Awesome. So I don't know if there was anything else you wanted to mention, Nikita. If, I, if not, we can wrap up. No, the questions are very good and just uh, in depth. We I think we discussed all the points uh, we, we could discuss. So thank you for for great questions and we actually talked a little about agricultural loans. It's also great and uh, we will uh, publish more information regarding it regarding the product later on in February. So hoping for it to be interesting to the investors and all right yeah i certainly it. found it very interesting so thank you for answering all the questions and especially as my father said the agricultural loans as an investor sound very interesting and perhaps i think it's the first time i come across such loans on, on any platform i don't know if others are doing it but it's the first time i come across them and I think it's something very interesting also because it fills a need that farmers really have. You know, I can understand mm -hmm. the use case there and the problems they face. So it's, mm -hmm. in a way, it's doing good as well to the farmers. Yes, it's a very good cause, yes. Cool. Thank you very much. Thank then. you. It was and a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. The same. Bye-bye. Thanks. So there we go. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I highly encourage you to give us some feedback about the previous episodes and this episode as well. And if you like what we've been producing, please leave us a review on iTunes. It will be very, very helpful for us to know how we're doing. And, you know, you can reach out to us at podcast at mastermind.fm if you would like to have any type of suggestions or want us to interview someone in particular please do reach out and stay safe and we'll see you in the next episode